0: Waiters, three seconds left for three and the win! Yes! Deion has got it! I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team all defense! First team all defense! I don't know about this,
2: but Brianna just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me? Welcome to another edition of Rotowire NBA podcast. We are recording late Tuesday night on December 15th. Nick Whalen joined as always by Alex Berutha. Uh, Alex, we were fitting this one in before my NFBKC draft on Tuesday night, so very much looking forward to that. You and I were initially going to be splitting a main event team, um, but then our esteemed colleague Ken Kreitz was banned from playing in the NFBKC this year. Uh, Reasons unknown. Uh, Initial reports are that it's because he is in a state uh, Vermont. That does not allow it, um, but we'll see. I, to me, it seems like there might be something else going on behind the scenes.
1: You really you really never know uh, with Ken. He's a wild card. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it on the Friday pod a little bit more.
2: We'll see if this is enough to prompt Ken to move out of Vermont, finally. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we now have our own teams. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I know there's still a few spots available. I think we got an email today that there's there's only like six total uh, spots available uh, in, in the main event for the NFBKC. So if you haven't signed up for that, uh, make sure you do so. Like I said, I'll be drafting tonight. You'll be drafting soon, so will Shannon. Uh, that one's always super, super fun. You know, never really having to worry about people just not checking their teams or not doing the waiver wire. Like, it's it's a grind, but it's. I think it's the most fun league that we play in overall. I agree. Yeah, I'll be drafting uh, next Monday, and um, right. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So I want to pick up kind of where we left off last Tuesday, uh, and that was looking at some of the newer uh, futures and props on the DraftKings sportsbook. They've added quite a few more. Uh, I don't. I don't remember if a lot of these were even up last year. But in terms of player futures, you can now bet on. Um, this is actually a new one as of today. I didn't even see this last week. Average points per game for certain players. So not only can you bet on wow. like who's going to be the scoring champ, you know who's going to lead the league in blocks, assists, rebounds, steals, things like that. There are now individual props for for points per game. So we'll get to those in a little bit, but. I do want to start with some of the team futures, and these essentially pertain to, you know, whether or not the team will reach the playoffs. And uh, you and I and and James will have an article coming on this uh, sometime this week, kind of a roundtable piece, just just highlighting some of our favorite bets. But James asked me a good question on this last night. He was like, so, you know, does making the playoffs, yes or no, that's basically what all these bets are. Does that mean you make the play-in or actually make the field of 16? It's not explicitly stated on DraftKings, but I, I think the assumption is that if, if you're betting yes, you know, Team X is making the playoffs, I think that means they're making the field of 16, right? Yes, that would be my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple that stood out to me, I, I like Orlando not to make the playoffs at minus 186. I mean, you're not getting, you're not going to find anything here that's like incredible value. You know, if you're getting plus anything, I think that's great. And, and there's a couple we'll get to there, but I mean, they're, they're plus 150 to make it, minus 186 not to make it. I, I think they're going to be in the mix for the 7, 8, nine, 10. Uh, but, but as of right now, I think enough teams like Washington and, you know, a, a team like Brooklyn, obviously, that was ahead of them last year but got quite a bit better. Um, you know, I, I think there's just enough Atlanta uh, teams that improve below them that probably knocks Orlando at least out of maybe being the favorite for the eight seed where they've kind of been able to reside these last few years right orlando
1: 33 and 40 last season um that was with jonathan isaac available uh a lot of the year terrence ross is starting off the year hurt isaac won't be available the whole year um they're going to need a lot of cole anthony which could actually it could lead to more losing um they just got they're worse this year than they uh were last year and like you mentioned a lot of teams around them got better um charlotte got better charlotte's Mm -hmm. looked a lot of fun in the preseason they could be better than orlando that wouldn't shock me obviously we talked about washington atlanta you hit on those um but their roster orlando's roster on paper is just not good like i i know they keep getting it done they have a good defense right aaron gordon Vucevic especially is a floor raiser um maybe markel fultz gets better but i have zero confidence i would have zero confidence picking them as a yes let's put it that way because i'd be worried about almost every other team
2: below Mm -hmm. them Right. And I don't even know that Orlando got dramatically worse. I think losing Isaac is huge. You know, you, you get Chuma Okiki, the 2019 first round pick back. Maybe that's something, but they certainly didn't get better. And that's the bottom line is almost every other team, you know, we'll we'll see. Like maybe Charlotte's going to be just as bad, but they at least tried to get better. They signed Gordon Hayward. They're bringing in a top three pick. Orlando really didn't do any of that. And And even if Cole Anthony, who, you know, you, me and James all really like as a potential rookie of the year, He's not going to be a guy that is, is carrying you to wins. So, you know, if anything, that bet is, well, they don't have anybody else to score off the bench and he might just kind of luck his way into 14 points a game. Not anything that's really going to change ultimately the course of your season. In a similar vein, I, I like Memphis. No, not to make the playoffs at minus 225. So you're not getting as much value here. Uh, but I think that kind of says a lot about how, how the Grizzlies reputation is trending. I mean, a team that was solidly in the playoffs until the bitter end in the bubble uh, when Portland ultimately ended up kicking them out. But I mean, not only are you starting the year without Jaron Jackson, this is another team that outside of the internal improvement of guys like Jackson, Clark, and and especially John Moran, who to his credit has looked awesome so far in the preseason, they did not get better at all. And, you know, much like the East, almost every other team kind of in their tier in the West, at least made some improvements and and some teams like Phoenix got probably dramatically better.
1: Yeah, people are on this one for sure. Yeah. I was I thought that maybe this could be a good value bet uh, coming into the season. I would You were, still you bet were on it. this back in like mid February. <laughs> That's true. I was like, yeah, they they were going to make the playoffs, and I'm like, listen, this team is yeah. awful. Um, no i I still think my I still think minus two twenty five is good value on them to not make the playoffs because it would it would legitimately shock me. Like you said, look at the teams around them. Look at who they're starting the year without. Brandon Clark's even beat up. Um, who knows what they'll get out of Justice Winslow. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a pretty rough season for the Grizzlies.
2: And I think Morant is going to look really good. I just, yeah. I, I don't know, for as good as he is, I don't know that he's the type of point guard who uh, can just carry you to 45 wins this early in his career. You know, like early career Chris Paul... Was that good right away? And it's not like those Hornets teams were were finishing first or second in the West. But right away, he was like, this is the guy who raises every single player around him. And and I think Morant does that, but not quite to that level. Like, I I think his numbers individually are going to be ridiculous this season. But I I don't know that he quite affects the game at that level that it's going to like it's going to prop up like the Dylan Brookses and the Kyle Anderson's of the world.
1: Chris Paul was a great two-way player also, right. and Morant on defense is very much a work in progress. And uh, when a team is this, not, I mean, when a team is
2: not great around you,
1: you need to be a good two-way player. And that's just not going to be the case for him right now.
2: So I'm finding I like the values on teams not to make the playoffs more than to make the playoffs. <laughs> so I have another one, Atlanta. You know, I, I wouldn't feel confident about this one, but I, I, you can get plus money for the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks who have historically not been a very good franchise to not make the playoffs. So plus 110, not extreme value, but I I don't think it's a lock by any means. You know, they've looked pretty messy. These first two preseason games, that's, you know, not, not really the full story, but I I don't know. I don't, I I think they've, they've certainly made improvements on paper. I think the roster looks awesome, but you have some fit questions to figure out. You have some long-term viability questions as far as John Collins playing alongside Clint Capella playing alongside Danilo Gallinari You already have a few early season injuries. And then I I think the one thing for them is it's kind of like a extremely watered down version of like what the Clippers went through last year, where you had this young core that has kind of made incremental progress over the last two years. And, you know, granted, it's not like they've been scrapping with the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs, but you basically bring in an entire new team. And now you're pushing Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, guys like that kind of into the background and I think there could be an issue with them maybe almost having like too many cooks in the kitchen at some points this season.
1: There is a concern. Um, this is one that I I don't think I would touch. Um, I think for them, it, they really are. I think they could easily go either way. And for me, I'm an optimist on, on the Hawks. I would I would actually rather take them to make the playoffs because I think this team has a lot of talent which I think we we agree on that. And I think most of us agree that they have a lot of talent available to them. Um, the question is, is it going to fit together? Mm-hmm. Is everyone going to be happy with their role? But again, you know, if someone, if someone gets hurt on this team, if Bogdan misses 20 games, well, they still have Kevin, Kevin Herter and Cam Regish to fill that role. If Danilo Gallinari gets hurt. That's more run for DeAndre Hunter. Um, I think I would, I not a number that I would necessarily bet. Um, Cause mm-hmm. it's, there, there's a lot of potential either way.
2: The NBA season is almost here. That means fantasy basketball draft season is already underway. Test your skills against some of the best fantasy players in the business by joining the Rodawire Online Championship for your chance to win ten thousand dollars. That's ten thousand dollars American. You can play against Rodawire experts like myself, Alex Barutha, James Anderson, Shannon, baby Kevin Love McEwen, and even Ken Kreitz. I have a draft coming up this week. Very much looking forward to it. Can't wait to grab RJ Barrett in the third round. Hopefully he's still there. This will be my fourth year playing in this contest. It's always one of my favorites. Year in, year out, it's the most competitive league I play in. You're really never going to find guys who aren't setting lineups, aren't bidding on free agents, you know, not doing the things that any league manager should do. Really never a concern with these NFBKC leagues, which is awesome. If you think you have what it takes, sign up now by visiting rotowire.com. And clicking the ten thousand dollar RotoWire Championship link—it's right on our homepage. You can't miss it. So the Phoenix Suns are also at plus one ten to not make the playoffs. I, I don't think I like this one either. Which of those two would you say are you're more confident that they will make the playoffs?
1: Um. Wow, that's a
2: that is a tough call. Yeah. Um, and maybe Atlanta. I don't know. Um, it's like, if, I think Phoenix is the better team, but they're also going up against tougher competition.
1: Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. And i still have concerns about Chris Paul getting hurt and where that may put that team. Phoenix is a hundred percent, the better team. If the, if there was a playoff series between Phoenix and Atlanta, Phoenix would be favored. No question. But, um, the East is the East is a lot easier for sure.
2: So the wizards are another team They're They're not quite at the same level, but they're, they're plus 100 to not make the playoffs. To me, Wizards versus Hawks is close. I like the Hawks roster a lot better, but I think I like the top of the Wizards roster a lot better. I, I, I've never been like the biggest Russ guy, but I feel like it's gone too far in the negative with Russ. Sure. Like he's still really good. He's still a one-man offense. And even though when, you know, when the Thunder lost KD, they they fell from the ranks of being a title contender, but they were still a solid playoff team and a, a team that was very much, you know, frisky and in the mix. Like I, I think we've gone a little too far the westbrook criticism he's he's certainly not a player who's going to be the number one option uh on a a great great team anymore maybe he was never that guy but um i I think he's just a lot more consistent and and a lot more of a reliable piece next to deal than john wall would have been
1: yeah the um it's already been announced westbrook's going to sit back to backs or at least one game of a back-to-back i think the wizards have seven in the first half of the season um so he's Assuming there's a similar amount in the second half of the season, he's basically a lock to miss 10 games. Um, I don't think that matters a ton. I, I don't know, man. This is another. I think. I think I just don't want to bet the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Like I just want no part yeah. of Atlanta, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington. Um, this team is just very shallow. I think as much as I like Troy Brown, Denny Avia is interesting. It's pretty thin after the starting five, and I don't know how much I even trust Rui Hachimura. Although in the, mm-hmm. I, I think he's looked good from what I saw from him in the, um, in the preseason
2: so far. Another one I like. This is my final one, and then I'll, I'll give you the floor if you have any you want to throw out. Portland, yes, to make the playoffs minus two hundred. So yet again, not not getting any extreme value here, but of the teams that I would consider like borderline locks to make the playoffs, minus two hundred is like the best money you're going to get on any of those type of teams, and. I think Portland is certainly better than last year, and and obviously made the playoffs last year. They needed the play-in to get there, but even with teams like Phoenix and and maybe even New Orleans, you know, providing a little more resistance, uh, I still think Portland to me is is one that I would be pretty comfortable penciling in. Maybe maybe it's the six or the seventh spot, but I, I think they get in. So uh, to me, at minus two hundred, that's still pretty good value.
1: I agree. Um, this is a team last season that made the playoffs despite. Um, their minutes leaders three through five being Hassan Whiteside, Carmelo Anthony, and Anthony Simons. Yeah. Uh, this year, that should be Nurkic in there. It should be Covington in there, and they retained Mellow. They just got they got better. They definitely got better. And Nurkic for them is going to be practically a free agent signing, right? Because he didn't play right. um, almost all of last season. So, yeah, I think minus two hundred for them is good. I w- I wouldn't be surprised if they were the third seed in the west so being able to get a potential third seed in the west at minus 200 to make the playoffs yeah count me in on that
2: hey nba fans owners box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season owners box is not dfs they're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy owners box is a head-to-head elimination style format That keeps players engaged through live snake drafts and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly on owner's box. Users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues and rank up to elevate the trash talk and the competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. I want to take a quick detour and talk about the Giannis extension. Uh, obviously, that was the biggest news in the NBA on Tuesday. Uh, I th- you know, kind of straightforward as far as there's not a whole lot to analyze here. It's the Supermax. We know that even though he's locked in through, I, th- I think, as long as 25, 26, if he were to, to opt into that final year, there's always a chance when you're a player as good as Giannis, if you want out, you can get out. You know, that, that's kind of what I was trying to stress to a lot of my friends this year. It's like, well, you know, if if, if something happens and the Bucks are just putting a terrible team around him in three years, he's not going to stick it out. But anyway, this is still a huge step in the right direction uh, for the Bucs. Does it make you feel any differently about their their short term chances this year? Like I, I feel like I would be more comfortable betting the Bucks to win the East, maybe not the finals, but win the East, uh, finish with the number one seed, things like that, just because this this cloud is is now lifted at least temporarily. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I think that's right. Um,
1: I was I thought he would sign it the whole time. I think we might have been in the same camp where it's like you sign you get the money and then you figure it out later if you like your situation. Even if your situation is just tolerable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um a lot of times the players are going to do that. Um yeah, I think I think Milwaukee should still be the favorite to come out of the East. Um I, and, you know, they'll be a threat a hundred percent to win the finals because I think I think they got better in the in the off season. There are a lot of people who don't think that. Um but I think replacing Eric Bledsoe with Drew Holiday is a massive upgrade. Uh, and I mean, they haven't looked great in the preseason. I've watched both their games. It's looked awful. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that it'll turn around.
2: I almost think that's a good sign. You know, like, remember, I think like when Peyton Manning was at his peak, like, I feel like the Colts went 0 and four in the preseason every single year. Like you don't want to look good in the preseason, especially for a team that's been so good in the regular season. It's like, it's good to mix it up. Like, I, I hope they don't just run through the regular season. Cause it's setting up then for a third straight flame out in the playoffs, but no, Giannis, the 1 of 7 from the free throw line last night was extremely concerning. Holiday has not looked great. Um but I am with you. I, I think this team overall the roster, I don't know if it's like a whole lot better because of some of the depth that they lost, but it's at least comparable and I think the ceiling with Holiday compared to Bledsoe is definitely higher. I mean the Bucks are are still plus 550 to win the title. That's tied with the Clippers for the second best odds. It's slightly ahead of the Nets. So I mean the odds makers still like Milwaukee quite a bit. I the bottom line is, if you have Giannis, it, it just it guarantees you such a high floor. You know, at worst, you're basically making the second round. And I think last year was essentially their worst case scenario. So you're, you're basically being penciled into like the final eight every year, no matter what. Um, and I, I mean, I think I said this last week, teams have won the finals with worse rosters. Right. Or at least made the finals with worse rosters.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have. You know, you have an MVP slash defensive player of the year on your team and you have two all-stars slash fringe all-stars as mm-hmm. the second and third best players on the team with Milton and, and Holiday. So that's just as good as, yeah, that that can't be the worst, obviously. no, I mean, I think, think right.
2: LeBron's 07 Cavs team was dramatically worse. And obviously the league is different now. I, I think the teams you're going up against, you know, it's not like there's two or three teams in every conference now that have two or three all-stars every year, or at least guys who are all-star caliber. That wasn't necessarily the case in the in the 2000s and, and certainly in the 90s. But I think you need more now to get there. But I, I think the Bucks have plenty. You know, it, it's not a I almost think like for a while the Heat and then the Cavs and the Warriors set an unrealistic standard for a lot of these superstars as far as what constitutes a great roster. And, you know, I don't I think this I would give this Bucks roster like a pretty solid B plus. And, you know, w- when the number one player on that team is arguably the number one player in the league, that should be enough.
1: Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the bucks got off to a slow start because there have been a lot of moving pieces on this roster. Like watching them is a completely like different experience. Uh, you know, they obviously got drew, um, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis, Torrey Craig coming off the bench. It's a completely, it's practically a complete like rebuild around Giannis aside yeah. from, you know, the absolute like aside from the absolute core pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go off uh, to a different road a little bit, but still talk about the title here because on the DraftKings Sportsbook, I see the Celtics at plus 1,300 and the Heat at plus 1,500. And I think it's insane. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not using that word lightly. I think it's insane to have the Boston Celtics as shorter odds than the Heat to win the NBA finals.
2: Yeah, that that is wild. I, I don't know if this is a post losing out on Giannis dip for the heat where they're, they're factoring <laughs> in like they're factoring in some like organizational depression. Right. That is strange. Yeah. I mean, I think those numbers should definitely be flipped and I, I don't even know it sh- if it should be that close. You know, I, I think, so You yeah, have Boston at 13 to one, you have Miami at 15 to one. I don't think it would be that crazy to have Miami at, you know, 12 to one and Boston at like 18 or 19 to one. Like I, I don't know. I mean, Miami was in the finals last year. They beat Boston. I think Boston probably got a little bit worse. I think you have some pretty serious concerns about Kemba Walker's knee, which are are first and foremost when you're talking about their ceiling. And, you know, Miami didn't get a whole lot better, but they're bringing back the entire team from last year. And then you're swapping out basically Jay Crowder for Avery Bradley, which is probably a lateral move. Yeah. And I mean, the 76ers are, are 20
1: to 1. You know, they're plus 2,000 and they have the same level of top end talent As the Celtics, right? I know the 76ers were disappointing last year, but if we're talking players one and players two, and maybe even if you go three deep, if you want to count Tobias Harris against Kemba Walker, um, especially with Walker's knee issues, I don't think they should be separated by that much.
2: I think the Sixers might have a better roster than the Celtics. I, I think the Celtics just have more continuity. I guess like they're the safer play because we haven't seen them bottom out like we have with the Sixers last year. Uh, but I, I'm pretty high on Philly. I mean, I, I was definitely too high on them last year. But I, I think so many things went wrong for the Sixers last year. And that, that almost certainly can't happen again. And I, I wouldn't say, like, a ton went right for the Celtics. It felt like they probably had the season that they should have had. But, I mean, unless you're you're really factoring in a major leap for Jason Tatum, which I, I don't even know what that would mean at this point. I mean, he basically averaged over the second half of last year was, like, almost a 30-point-per-game score. Like, I, I don't know that his ceiling is that much higher Um yeah, you know, the bench is cleaned out. You have all your depth is basically at center. You you have no real guard or wing depth. Like there's there's some concerns there, especially if Tatum or Brown were to miss ten games at any point.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Celtics kind of bogged out this year. I've been really low on them um leading up to the season. So I, I thought that was just a really interesting uh note. Also that the Warriors the Warriors have better odds than the Blazers. So Yeah, I mean that's not also... that's not
2: shocking, I guess, just because of you know, the Warriors being the Warriors, but no, it should not be a difference of thirty to one versus fifty to one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, have you looked at the division odds at all? There's a few that stand out to me. I really like Dallas to win the Southwest at minus two twenty-five. I you know, I, I still think Dallas is probably either a piece away or a couple years away in terms of, you know, development from Luca and, and, and guys like Porzingis from really competing for the title. But when you look at the other teams in this division, you can pretty much cross off the Spurs and the Grizzlies. I, I'm pretty low on the Pelicans. They're five to one. I, I don't think they're a division-winning team this year. And then Houston's also at five to one. You know, if if somehow you know James Harden has a miraculous twist of faith and and wants to stay in Houston, obviously they're a threat. But that seems extremely unlikely at this point. Yeah, I think
1: um I think this is a this is a solid bet. I mean, the Dallas was better than Houston last year. Dallas has was plus four point eight point differential. Houston plus two point seven. Um, I think there needs to be concern about how much Porzingis will play because he could he might just end up playing like thirty five games, maybe forty games, and that would be a concern. But even if you put the Kristaps Porzingis available for half their games against an unhappy James Harden or no James Harden and like John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think this is a fine number, minus two twenty five, and. I think this would be the best odds that you would probably get it at, right? Um, I think at the so. Same, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, this is probably your best chance to get Houston as well. Right. Because, you know, if Hargan leaves, it's gonna, it's gonna completely tank now, depending on what they get for Hargan, who knows, but um, that's an interesting one for sure.
2: How do you feel about the Atlantic, which I think is quietly now the most competitive division in the league by a huge margin. You have, You know, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Philly, and then the Knicks, who are down at 250 to one. I mean, all four of those teams, you have Brooklyn at plus 125, Boston plus 250, Toronto 320, Philly 400. I I like betting Toronto or Philly. You know, I I still think the Nets are the best team in that division. I'm I'm very high on KD this year. But, I mean, Toronto has basically become the new San Antonio. You know they're going to be good no matter what. And we just talked about how much we like Philly. I, I think there's some value there. I think there's value on everyone
1: but the Celtics and the Knicks. Um, yeah. I think the Nets at plus 125 is good value. They have KD and Kyrie Irving. If those guys stay moderately healthy, even if they even if they each miss 20 games, the Nets team that we saw last year with Spencer Dinwiddie, Lavert, J- Jared Allen, those guys was a pretty solid team. They're basically like a you know even net rating. So if they can at least keep their heads above water, if Kyrie and KD miss time, they'll easily have a chance to 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 do this, uh, to win the division. And then, yeah, 76ers, uh, Raptors again, both really competent. And, uh, yeah, those are, those are solid numbers.
2: All right. I want to look at scoring title odds. Now. I think it's absolutely insane that James Harden is a massive favorite. I I think (laughs) he should still be the favorite. He is still on the Rockets. And when he's, when he's with the Rockets in recent history, you know, studies suggest that he will win the scoring title with all the uncertainty around Harden, I don't know how he can still be this huge of a favorite. Like I would not bet on James Harden to win the scoring title. I think there's too big of a chance that something happens and he's like away from the team for three months and misses too many games that he's ineligible or he's traded to Philly and can't play the same style that he's played the last few years. The same would go if he goes to Brooklyn. I think it would be even harder for him to score 30 a game in Brooklyn than it would be in Philly or certainly in Houston. You know, there's always a chance that they ship him like to Sacramento or something like that, where he doesn't want to be. And, you know, he can just launch 40 shots a game, but I mean, am I crazy? Should he, should he be this big of a favorite? I think, I think it's leaving out, leaving the door open for a ton of value for some of these other contenders. I feel the same way.
1: I think having him such a big, such a long, like not, I I never know how to phrase this either. Yeah. But regardless, it's, it, it does open up value for everyone else on the board. Especially Doncic at, at plus 650. That's insane. Again, my concerns with, with Porzingis, I think, are warranted. And if you take Porzingis out of the equation, the second best scorer on the Mavericks is Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, third best is probably Josh Richardson, maybe mm-hmm. Trey Burke if you're feeling like, I, I don't know. But that puts Doncic in a position where he's going to have to launch a ton of shots every single game. I mean, he's going to be the absolute, he already has been the hub of the offense, but to an even greater right. extent from a scoring perspective. So I think having him at plus 650 is great. Um, I'd prefer him over Lillard, who's at the same odds, because Lillard has way more health than Doncic. Um, Curry plus 800. Uh, that's also a fair number. Giannis, not sure I would bet it because of the minutes situation that he's been in the last you know year or so. Um, but yeah, Doncic is definitely my favorite number at plus 650 there.
2: Yeah, same here. I, I think for a guy that we're talking about as the MVP favorite, like you said, that it's almost it almost benefits him in some ways that he doesn't have a great roster around him and that he's beginning the season without Porzingis. Like he's he's not an inherently selfish player, but he's going to have to play selfishly for them to win games early on. Like it, would it shock you at all if like three weeks into the season he's just on this crazy tear averaging like thirty seven a game. Like I mean, we've seen guys like Willard kind of go on those runs before when they've had to. I, I think he could do that. I, I don't like Curry. Quite so much at eight to one. I, I this just, just doesn't have the feel of like a revenge tour season for him. Like I, I think he'll be good. I don't. I don't think he's going to lead the league in scoring. Good. Um, you know, Lillard at 650 makes sense. I, there's some value in Giannis if if you see this as you know maybe they play him, you know, God forbid 33 minutes per game instead of 30. I mean, all of a sudden you start prorating his numbers and he's over 30 points per game. Like he he basically averaged 30 points a game in 30 minutes last year. Uh, so I, I think there's some value. And, and the nice thing is. You don't have, even have to feel that good about it because you're getting 11 to 1 on Giannis, you know, leading the league and scoring. And honestly, chances are one of the, you know, top six or eight guys on this list ends up getting hurt or getting coronavirus and missing enough time that it knocks him out of the race. Um, I, I think I would consider Trey Young at 11 to 1 as well. Um, maybe KD at 25 to 1. Like that, that to me seems like more KD coming back to prove a point as opposed to Steph doing that. Um, and then in terms of long shots, I think Tatum at 50 to one, that's, I mean, incredible odds. I, I think Tatum could very easily be at 20 to one and that wouldn't seem that crazy. Um, and then I, I, I wouldn't bet this, but Zion at a hundred to one, he looked really good. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He looked great in their preseason game on Monday night Had 26 points in that one, an easy 26. Like he just, the ease with which he's able to score around the basket is crazy. Again, I don't think he's going to win the scoring title, but I mean, he can, He basically slept, walked his way to like 25 points a game as an out of shape rookie last year.
1: Yeah, I think if you're looking for pure long shots, Tatum at 50 to one, Embiid at 100 to one. Yeah, Um, I think those are the two that that I would look at. Um, (laughs) Julius
2: Randle at 150.
1: The fact that he's only that he's 150 when Embiid is 100 is just complete disrespect to Joel Embiid.
2: Well, or it's respect for Julius Randle's game. Like, this, this shows that Vegas is watching these games. Like, Julius Randle has better odds than John Moran. Oh,
1: that's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, that's got to be just an East Coast market thing, you know? Uh,
2: Possibly. Draft I think Kings. it's just a Julius Randle shoots the ball every time he gets it thing.
1: <laughs> well, that too.
2: Yeah. No, there's, there is some value down the board here. I mean, the scoring title, if you look at the leaders, it's basically – always the guys that you think it would be. There's not a lot of like shocking scoring title winners over the years. So I, I wouldn't recommend betting anyone outside of the top six or seven. Um, but again, I mean, getting guys like Giannis and Trey young at 11 to one is, is still really good value. I, I don't have quite as many takes about the other stats that you can bet. Uh, just going down the line, Hassan Whiteside is the favorite to lead the league in blocks. And again, there's no, there's no criteria here as far as if they're counting total blocks or blocks per game. I think it's blocks per game, though, because there is a caveat about having to qualify for the league leaderboard. So that makes it even crazier. I mean, Hassan Whiteside is very possibly not even going to open the season as a starter. I think this is kind of reminiscent of the Harden thing where, you know, with with Whiteside, like, yeah, there's a lot of interest maybe in him after last season. But, I mean, anyone who's paying attention knows that he's almost certainly not going to replicate last season unless you're betting that Rashawn Holmes gets hurt.
1: Right. Um, yeah, this is, this is always a tough one because to some extent, blocks and steals are pretty variable season to season. It can also depend on how bad the perimeter defense is around you. How many, if the guys get funneled to the rim, if guys start respecting you more and they don't even bother driving on you, um, right. which is kind of the situation that like Gobert can find himself in. Um, and yeah, I mean, value wise, I guess Mitchell Robinson at 800, at plus 800, um, but that's just again. I, mean, he, he, I think Nerlens is going to start for them, so that's kind of a similar situation as Whiteside,
2: obviously. Yeah, I mean, if if it was one or the other, I would love either Robinson or Noel. Like they're both some of the best per minute blocks and steals guys in the league, but I, I think they're just going to end up kind of splitting minutes, and it's going to be gross for everybody involved. I love the Chris Boucher love. Uh, he's not, he's actually
1: on the board at 101. to yeah. one. Willie Cauley Stein. How did these names get?
2: How did people come up with this? How does Willie Cauley Stein have the same odds as Giannis? Javel uh, Mcgee. Yeah, I don't. I think this is just like anyone who has played center at all. <laughs> the RotoWire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with RotoWire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month RotoWire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website, and once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of RotoWire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800 889 9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, assists. LeBron is the favorite. Trey Young, close behind. Uh, Luka Doncic, close behind as well. Not a ton of value here. I I, I think I would probably just go with LeBron again. It it seems like they're going to employ a a pretty similar plan, although I think there's a chance that even if he ends up playing more games than we expect, you know, he's maybe seeding more possessions to guys like Schroeder and even more playmaking from from Anthony Davis – um I don't know. I, I think he'll. I think he kind of enjoyed averaging double-digit assists. That that seemed like something that that he took pride in. So I, I think he tries to get there again. But I also wouldn't be surprised if if he's passed up by Trey Young, who was pretty close behind last year. Doncic, I don't know. I don't know about Doncic. I mean, you basically be asking him to average a triple-double, which is plausible. I, I think if anybody could do it, other than Westbrook, it would be him. Would you consider anybody but LeBron, Trey Young, or Doncic?
1: Westbrook is at least interesting to me. Um, if he has the ball in his hands a lot, uh, I don't know exactly how they're going to run their offense, but still interesting to me. Ben Simmons uh, is kind of interesting to me at 12 to one, but I don't feel like that's great value. I think I think the upside is there for Morant uh, to average almost 10 assists a game. But um, again, I don't feel like any of this is amazing value. Um you know, Chris Paul, 33 to one. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of value on the sport.
2: No, me neither. I I think it would be more interesting if you were betting who would lead the league in total assists, because then you could start making a case for like the Devante Graham's of the world who I think he missed like one game last year. And you know, if LeBron misses 12 games, obviously that's a pretty huge difference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it, It is. Um, it's assists per game, though, unfortunately, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough.
2: Do you have anything for rebounds or steals? I don't feel too strongly about those. Um, No,
1: Capella at plus 2,000 catches my eye. Embiid at plus 2,000 kind of catches my eye right away. Um, mm-hmm. Steals. Uh, Marcus Smart, 25 to 1. Sure, fire it up. DeJounte Murray, 25 to 1. Maybe, yes. yeah. That's, that's the one I have in mind, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lonzo's interesting. If you could get if they did a steals plus blocks thing, Lonzo would be a little more intriguing. Um, other than that, uh, I don't really see a ton unless John Wall mm-hmm. is completely healthy.
2: I, I think Thibel, too, if, if he is able to get 25, 30 minutes, you know, maybe that would require an injury or something. But I, I mean, I think he's going to take a step forward. And I mean, he's he's almost like the Mitchell Robinson of steals. Where you you look at last year, like he was insane on a per minute basis at, in college, and that seemed to translate at least last season. Um, so I think he's worth a look at least at 50 to one. All right. Before we get to some preseason takeaways, uh, you have noted that the lines are up for not only opening night but Christmas Day as well. Anything stand out to you from either of those slates? Um. Let me see here. Uh, I guess Bucks
1: only minus three uh, over the Celtics. I feel like that line should could be double that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, you know, Kemba Walker is not going to be available. We don't know if Tristan Thompson uh, is going to be available. I feel like you have to take the Bucks in the in this situation. I, that's that's the the one that really stands out to me.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to note, too, like whether home court ends up meaning anything, because we've seen in the NFL that home court advantage or home field advantage has virtually disappeared. And if anything, teams on the road were winning more games than than home teams for a while. So, you know, I, I think maybe on the surface, that's part of it is, you know, you're usually factoring in a, a couple points for the home team, uh, whereas if this was in Milwaukee, it's probably closer to five or six points. But, you know, with no fans in the stands, I, I don't really know what kind of effect that's going to have, especially when you're talking about the first game of the year, you know, you'll you'll have plenty of time to arrive early. You're not on a tight travel schedule, things like that. Um, In terms of opening night, I I think things look about right. Lakers minus two and a half. Um, I think that that could maybe be a little bit bigger, but again, not a true home game really for the Lakers. Uh, And then Nets minus five over the Warriors. A little bit of a disrespectful line, I think to the Warriors, but at the same time, It's Kevin Durant and he's looked awesome so far. I'm just, I'm so ready for a KD comeback season. Yeah,
1: I think, I think the Nets line is fine. I think I would probably bet Nets. um, I think a lot of people will bet Warriors Mm -hmm. kind of as like a revenge thing to Kevin Durant. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's getting revenge on who there, whether it's Durant for uh, (laughs) them them playing him and tearing his Achilles. I think that line is fine.
2: Well, here's a question. So let's say this game is in Brooklyn, but let's say it was a normal year. And, you know, Durant makes his decision is playing for the Nets, whatever things are normal. And this game's in Golden State. He gets a standing ovation, right? Yeah, not not like the most thunderous standing ovation, but an ovation nonetheless. Yeah, maybe they just
1: I think I think you either stand up and don't clap or you just sit and clap. I think you gotta find a halfway. Maybe you have one section stand and not clap the other half. There's gotta be a middle ground somewhere.
2: Yeah, you're not you're not whistling. You're not you know doing any of this. You're not there's holding no, up a. There's no thank you KD signs. There's like
1: one maybe uh, by yeah. like a six year old or something who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. I think it would um, it would be
2: a, it would be an applause as opposed to an ovation. We'll, we'll that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, is there anything on Christmas that stands out to you? I mean, we have Nets, Nets, Celtics. Uh, Nets are only minus one over the Celtics, which, again, I think that line is crazy. I think Celtics are being way overvalued early in the yeah. season.
2: Yeah, this is another home game for Boston. So, again, we'll we'll see if maybe those start to adjust as the season goes on and if home court is proven to not really be that much of an advantage. But, yeah, I mean, so that implies that the Celtics are, like, what, four points better, four and a half points better than the, than the Warriors?
1: I would not agree I don't know.
2: with that. Yeah, kind of kind of a weird line. I'm with you there. I think Lakers minus seven over the Mavs is a little bit larger than I would think. I mean, I, I think those teams played really closely. It felt like every time they matched up last year, you know, Luca versus LeBron. Uh, obviously, the brings out the best in both of those guys. And I'm I'm again I'm pretty low on the Pelicans. So Miami five and a half I think at home on Christmas against the Pel's is pretty good value.
1: I think so too. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that that Heat line. I'd be more inclined to bet on the Heat. Um, you know, Lakers, I would just not, I just don't want to bet against Luka Doncic. I guess that's the main concern about that line. He's that good. Yeah. Um, I think the value on that's fine when Porzingis is out. I think the Lakers got better. The Mavericks are worse for now. So I think that line is fine. But again, I don't think I would bet it because I, I'm not sure I'll ever bet against Luka Doncic this year. I just, it would scare me.
2: Yeah. I, I think, I think the the two major storylines, if I had to predict for this year, are Luka like really coming into his own and having a like 06 LeBron type of season where it becomes very clear that he's the future of the league. And I'm again, I'll say it for like the fourth time. I really think KD is going to remind people how good he is. Like he, we haven't seen it in so long because of the golden state thing, you know? And I I think we kind of saw it with Kawhi when he got to Toronto after missing basically the whole previous year. Like there are very few players in this entire league, probably four right now who you put them on any team and that team is a threat to win the finals. And we just, we really haven't seen KD have to be in that position since his last year in OKC. And I I think he's just going to be ready for it and going to remind people that like he, it was a legit debate for the last decade. Would you rather have KD or LeBron? And, you know, I feel like as soon as he went to Golden State, that kind of faded away. Um, And I I think that's going to be back in a big way. Let's look at the preseason. So very weird preseason schedule. Some teams are only playing two games. Some teams are playing four or five. Um, but I mean, basically half of the preseason happened over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we had a, a pretty big slate Monday and then a smaller slate tonight on Tuesday. Who do you want to hit on right away? could be rookies, could be guys like Harry Giles, Taylor Horton Tucker, who've stood out, could be second year guys. Uh, who's, who's caught your eyes so far? Um,
1: man, I, I don't know. I, I've tuned into the, uh, that first Hornets Raptors game to see some LaMelo, And the passing was as advertised and maybe more so. Um, He's an absolutely incredible passer. I think he's a better half court playmaker than Lonzo. Um, He cannot score uh, at all, but um, he's just the the Hornets are going to be a really fun team to watch. I think they're a league pass team. I'm going to say it now. I know it's it's not what anyone expected, uh, but thank you for your courage. LaMelo ball to Miles Bridges, Ellie Oops, incredible. Um, They play well as a team. I was really shocked. I was, like, enjoying Hornets basketball. It's a lot of pump fakes, drives, kicks out.
2: Yeah, well, they look good, too, now with the pinstripes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, he's he's on my list as well, for sure. I I think I I wrote in a preseason notes column yesterday that his debut was, like, almost exactly what you would expect from, like, a really unique, kind of weird player like him. No points, 10 rebounds. I think he had four assists. Half of his assists came on behind the back passes like he you were you were right. Like he's he's more aggressive than Lonzo for sure. Like he's not he didn't make any shots, but he's at least taken them. You know, Lonzo would have games early on where he would take one, two, three shots over, you know, 37 minutes. He was not shooting threes at all. If he'd get into the lane, you know, he would just kind of always be looking to pass. And I I think LaMelo has that same level of passing. But like with Lonzo, there's not quite as much flair to it. You know, there's not like we saw some of it at UCLA that never really seemed to transfer over to the NBA. Like he's, he's a very good passer. He's an effective passer, but he doesn't make a ton of wild wow plays. And I feel like Lamelo's already had more of those in two preseason games than Lonzo's had in like three years.
1: Yeah. The concern for him is just going to be right now. He's played 36 preseason minutes. He has seven turnovers and six assists. Yeah. Not great. Uh, 13 rebounds. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. But again, I think he's going to be a non-factor at scoring. He might, he might average like six points a game this year. Like, he's going to have one of the
2: weirdest like stat lines ever for a rookie.
1: Yeah. um, I don't think he's going to be a good fantasy player, but um, I'm excited to watch him. That's for sure.
2: Anthony Edwards did not look great in his debut. Looked a little bit better. I thought last night, uh, kind of tough to, to get a gauge for that one. I, I wasn't able to watch it live, but you know, I, there's just something about him where he doesn't really like jump off the screen in the way that you would like a number one pick to jump off the screen. Like he had a breakaway dunk, you know, hit a corner three kind of over a defender, but it just like, didn't look all that special. And and maybe I'm just being too nitpicky, but when you're looking at, you know, a 19 year old who you really think could, could be a future, you know, all NBA caliber player, that's the type of guy you're, you're taking number one overall. It, to me, it just didn't really look like he has that quite yet. Maybe it's those like weird horizontal Timberwolves uniforms that that kind of take away from it I don't know but like I I compared him you know before we started chatting like with Donovan Mitchell you knew right away like watching him in summer league watching him in preseason it was like oh my god this guy is he's just next level he just makes like he makes plays that superstars make and look I mean we're we're like 40 minutes into Edwards career it's way too early but I don't know he just he just didn't really stand out to me and I I think that's a a minor concern early on it'll be hard for
1: him to stand out on this team um you know I think. They have Rubio, they have Russell. Those guys are going to gonna handle the ball the majority of the time. Towns is going to give us 25 and 10. He's going to handle the ball a fair amount because he can average three or four assists. Um, and, I mean, Edwards doesn't – I mean, he, he's in a pretty low-pressure situation. Um, they would love him to be great because if he's great, then they can make the playoffs. But, um, yeah, the first showings were not great, like you alluded to. It was 17 points on 23 shots. Um, He was two of 12 from three and he had eight turnovers uh, to three assists, uh, which mm-hmm. is awful. And he's a minus 31. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think he'll improve. It's just, I, I finding a role for him is, is going to not, he's in a weird spot. He's in a weird spot.
2: Yeah. And also of note with the Timberwolves, Ricky Rubio has come off the bench for each of these first two preseason games. And you don't want to read too much into it, but they've used the same lineup in both games. So it, it doesn't really look to be like an experimental thing necessarily. Fantasy-wise, that's a pretty big concern. Although at the same time, I never really loved the idea of going like Rubio-Russell-Beasley or Rubio-Russell-Edwards. Um, but so far, they've gone they've gone Josh Akogi on the wing and, and gone Russell at the one with Beasley at the two.
1: Yeah, I thought they were going to start Rubio and Russell together um, and then Edwards at the three. And I also thought they were going to start her Gomez at the four. So right. um, it's kind of been surprising overall. I know Ryan Saunders, the first game said, don't look too much into this. We're still experimenting. And it's like, you did this on purpose. Like no one, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this classic is classic Timberwolves. Accident. This is not an accident that these five guys are starting. And now yeah. that they've started a second game in a row, I'm pretty sure it's going to be their lineup. Um, I still think Rubio is going to get 28 minutes a night. Could even hit 30 minutes a night in like a Dennis Schroeder type role. Yeah. Um, But I am concerned that Edwards is kind of going to get squeezed out by Russell and Malik Beasley a little bit and that he might just see like 24 minutes a game.
2: Yeah, I want to hit on a couple more rookies uh, real quick. Isaac Okoro was really, really good in his debut. 16 points in the fourth quarter, uh, hit a couple big threes, had the game winning basket on an and one. He looks a little further along, I think, than most people expected we'll see if the three point shot is real. I think that's kind of, that was really the thing that that was holding some teams back with him is if the shot didn't look great, uh, the percentages were not good at Auburn. Um, and there was some concern that that would maybe just never come, but I think he already looks more confident than most people expected. I I'm still a little tepid on him as far as what the impact will be in year one. I mean, especially on that team, that's just, the Cavs are so hard to figure out, you know, you're bringing along three young guys plus Kevin Porter then you have Kevin Love and you know you still have Larry Nance and, and guys up front. Not a great roster overall, but I, I do think there's going to be opportunity for him. I, I still would. I like, I wouldn't draft him in a fantasy league, though.
1: No, they got to move away from Seggy Osman. Yes. Uh, they got to get rid of that situation and open up the minutes for Porter and Okoro. I think for me, main takeaway from Okoro, he, he's averaging eight and a half free throw attempts per 36 minutes through. Uh, two games and you don't see a lot of rookies get to the line like that. Um, and you mentioned his confidence and that's a big part of it, being willing to drive into the lane, create contact, try to finish. So that's a, that is a huge standout uh, for Okoro. And if he can continue to do that and he can, uh, you know, keep his, his defensive numbers high, uh, like people assume he will, then he's he's going to have a good year. Then um, the question, I think it will just come down to minutes um, and shots to some extent, because this is a team that still has Sexton on it. Still has Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Darius Garland still has to be brought along. Um, and that's, I mean, Garland, this is a big year for him as well. Um, but he's looked, um, he hasn't looked great either, but, you know.
2: Yeah, the numbers on Garland weren't great. I, I thought he had some plays that were, were pretty impressive, especially in that opener. But yeah, he's hes a major, we'll see. Tyrese Halburn, I thought, looked really good in his second game. Didn't do much in the first, but um, kind of had the type of line. I think it was something like, it was like 13 points, Seven rebounds, six assists, a steal, a block. Like, that's exactly kind of what you're hoping for from him. So he was great. Pokashevsky, this dude's the real deal. I I think he, the Thunder might be a sneaky league pass team as well this year. Like, I, I really didn't think he would even be like NBA caliber. Like, I thought he would be a G League guy, and he still might be for much of the year. But I mean, he came in, he came in firing. Like, he looked like he was in his 10th NBA season, like, in terms of the confidence that he had. (laughs) And he is crazy skinny, but he, I don't know. Like he wasn't really getting pushed around. He handles the ball as as well as any player his size, honestly. I mean, he's his low lights were as low as any player in the league so far during the preseason. But it's really intriguing to watch. Like he he really has like the ability to snake around pick and rolls at seven feet. Um, you know, very much remains to be seen what the long term upside is. But I think he landed in a great spot to at least be able to experiment with him this year.
1: Yeah, he got about twenty minutes in that first preseason game. Um, I agree with you; the highlights were awesome, the lowlights were awful. Um, although that's kind of how I felt about Lamelo Ball to some extent. Yeah. Um, th- this happens, and um, yeah, I think I think he can I think he can maintain about twenty minutes. Honestly, I don't know what they're going to do with the rest. The rest of the rotation is like who knows. I think I think Bazley's going to get minutes, and Dort's going to get minutes, and Diallo's going to get minutes. But other than that, I mean, who you know who knows? Yeah.
2: That's the thing is you don't have. You don't have a roster full of like Sexton, Garland, Porter. Like, there's nobody like that on this team. Like, even the, even the guys you named, like, what is the ultimate upside? You know, you're talking about like a pretty good, like, basically could be like a pretty good role player. Dort could be a right. pretty good role player. Like, these aren't guys that you're going to be funneling shots to. No, not at all. All right, we got a few more minutes. Uh, let's touch on some non rookies. Harry Giles and and Taylen Horton Tucker, I think have been the two uh, who, who've stolen the most headlines and. Unfortunately, both of these guys are in like just terrible situations to actually play during the regular season. And I think that's, I was going to say it's especially true for Giles, but it's, it's really true for both of them. I mean, if Horton Tucker had had this kind of mini breakout last season, I think there's a chance that he's like the Lakers' eighth man. I think they just, they added so much depth this year that there's just, to me, there's just almost no chance that he'll be in the regular rotation to begin the year. I think the question with him is more, you know, if he plays really well in the G League or... Plays really well when when guys are sitting or injured early on. Like, is there a, a legitimate chance that he could end up, you know, kind of usurping like a Kyle Kuzma in the rotation eventually?
1: I I think there is, and I don't I don't think it's too early to say that hit, Kuzma's job is kind of in jeopardy here. Because um, when you watch the Taylor Horton Tucker like highlights, or you watch a condensed game, you can the way that he operates, he has control of the game. He has control of every possession. He's a good passer. He knows he has, he's good with his up fakes. He's good with his dribble moves. He's a really, he's a talented player. And you, you, this is the kind of stuff you do not see from Kuzma. I know Kuzma is like a forward slash wing and he's mostly a shooter and he's supposed to be able to kind of create his own shot, but I would just rather have a guy like Taylor Norton Tucker out there, mm-hmm. honestly. So um, I know it's going to be tough for the Lakers to find minutes for him, but I think, they would gladly I guess it would not shock me if Kuzma got moved at the trade deadline because Horton Tucker was playing so well
2: well and Horton Tucker seems to have the backing of guys like LeBron who was I mean they were talking about him even in the bubble and back then it seemed like okay are they just trying to like hype up like he almost seemed like a mascot back then like why is this random rookie who we haven't heard of all of a sudden playing all these minutes and I don't know. I mean, it just seems like a story where eventually somebody's going to write the feature on Horton Tucker and there's going to be all these quotes about how he's been like just dominating practice for the last year and a half. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think right now, even his like game to game upside is probably higher than Kuzma's because for this team, Kuzma's just not he's never really been a great fit. They've made it work. He's not he has a reputation of like being a great shooter. He's not a great shooter at all. He's not a good spot up shooter. He's almost better kind of going one-on-one, hitting those tough mid-range shots, which are, are just not a, a great shot in the modern NBA. I mean, Horton Tucker, I, I read this morning, he, of all the players in the entire league, he is both the longest and heaviest player listed at 6'4". Like, he's, a, he's just a unique athlete in general. And then you watch, I mean, last night, the ball handling is on a different level, um, you know, the control in the half court. The guy he actually kind of weirdly reminded me of and I'd be interested to see if you agree with this is CJ McCollum.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm I I'm down with that comparison. Um yeah, he would he the size is good. He could obviously like he doesn't it feels like he doesn't dominate with his athleticism, um but he can he uses it really well. Um and I'm looking up I you you mentioned someone writing a piece On Taylor Horton Tucker, I remember seeing Kevin O'Connor just uh, published one um, a couple days ago, and there's two quotes. You kind of mentioned LeBron. LeBron said, quote, telling you right now this kid is fly out special. Mark my words. LeBron doesn't just say that, unless it's about Shabazz Napier. Yeah, I was was going to say, unless it's Napier. uh, And then Frank Vogel said it's going to make his job very difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's very real to expect Horton Tucker to be a legitimate part of the Lakers rotation this year. It's it's not going to be easy, again, for him to find minutes, but... I think it's legitimate.
2: I would like to see him play over Wesley Matthews and maybe at times Caruso. I mean, you and I watched Wesley Matthews a ton last year. He was not good. He was not good for the Bucs. He's fine. I like. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think, I think Caruso, Horton Tucker, backcourt, you know, like deep backup minutes will be really good for the Lakers. I think yeah. they'll be able to skirt by with that a lot of games.
2: And I think if nothing else, you know, the word is out there now and you can either you know, dangle Horton Tucker as trade bait. I mean, he's never going to be like a Michael Porter type of asset, obviously, but it it enables you to do that. You know, if you have the opportunity to beef up the roster, especially with the Lakers being very much a win now team, you have that in your back pocket. And then, you know, whatever fears you would maybe have about trading someone like Kuzma uh, or even like a Montrezl Harrell, you know, at the deadline, somebody like that, having this guy in your back pocket, I think, enables you to just slide him in and not feel like you're losing a ton of depth.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think they should, I think they would be more likely to trade Kuzma. When's the last time oh, LeBron yeah. said anything even moderately that glowing about Kyle Kuzma? Um, which kind of reminds me. I was I was thinking of maybe places uh, Kuzma could go, and I thought about the Knicks, which made me think about Kevin Knox. Do you want to guess Kevin Knox is shooting this preseason? 0 for 50. 3 for 12. 0 of 5 from three. Five turnovers to one assist.
2: Sounds about right. That sounds like Kevin Knox. He's out of the league. I I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean half this Knicks roster could be out of the league. I just read a story the other day that like Dennis Smith is squandering his last chance with the with the Knicks <laughs> already. Um, I mean those guys were both like were they both they were the same draft right? Were they consecutive picks? I
1: don't remember. I don't maybe, remember. I don't. Know.
2: Maybe maybe Smith was a year ahead. Either way, they're both top ten picks, and the Knicks roster is is absolutely trash. All right. We got to wrap it up. I will provide a recap of my NFBKC draft later this week. So keep an eye out for that. I know you'll be prepping for yours as well. One more week. So we'll still have plenty of content uh, leading up to December 22nd, but kind of that final countdown now.